you and welcome to the first ever live Punk Rock Academy podcast! It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, I genuinely Dave, sounded like a lot of people. <laughs> you guys make a lot of noise. Dave and I, not only is this the first time we recorded it live, but Dave and I have never even been in the same room when we recorded it live. We've never met. This is our first time. Yeah. So this is very exciting and more exciting. I'm sat in the wrong chair now. <laughs> we should probably introduce ourselves, Dave. Uh, we are joined by a very good friend, the man, the brains, the hands, the legs, the feet, and everything behind Teenage Secrets. Go on. Woo! Five local record labels. <laughs> We're also joined by five record label representatives. <laughs> I feel like they have done so much good work. And this is me just like, you know, blind smoke here. You guys are all very cool and I love all your labels. I feel like you should be up here and I should be down there. But here I am. I'm so sorry. We might, we might get you up here later, you never know. Things, oh, things get particularly crazy. Um, anyway, let's, Dave, are you keeping well, first of all? Yeah, I am very, very good. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just amazed to be out in the public in the wild, uh, surrounded by a lot of lovely people, and stuff with you and Duan. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Duan, how are you doing? I'm, um, I'm good, thank you, bit. You look, really you look yeah. a bit sweaty. Do you want to tell people why you look a bit sweaty? <laughs> I accidentally ended up playing five-a-side punk rock football, which uh, I don't want to play any form of football. But yeah, I'm kind of a little bit covered in mud, and I'm a little sweaty. And it is, uh, yeah, unintentional sweat. How would you describe the difference between punk rock football and normal football? Well, I don't understand normal football, so my answer would have to be, it's normal football, but it's punk. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for taking time away post-matched. Thank you. This is like a post-match analysis. It's, like, it's the equivalent of punk rock match of the day. So we're going to go through in great detail, yeah. <laughs> minute by minute analysis of your performance. Um, okay, well I can tell you, the first half I scored a hat trick, um, and then I did a handball, so I sent myself off. <laughs> that is literally what happened, but somehow my team lost 2-0. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know. I Maybe that's what makes the punk rock. I think we've just discovered what the difference between punk yeah. rock football is and football. Anyway, we are here, if you don't know, at Till the Wheels Fest, number two. Uh, which is exciting. So, Devon, have you, have you seen any bands yet? You know, um, I saw the filaments, because of course I did, because I go way back with pretty much all of them. Um, and then I saw a bit of the restart for similar reasons, and it was really fun because it was very punk rock, and I've not been into, I've not been in a very punk rock situation for a while. Um, and then I, um, that was a Friday, and I nearly lost my voice, and we, we had to rehearse. Because we, we, we literally have, Teenage Sequence as a live band has been the same place at the same time, um, twice, and that was this weekend. So I didn't see anything on Saturday, I was too tired, and then hopefully my catch is up today. Awesome, what's up We have a white phone. Oh, oh what's, your, what's your highlight? My highlight so far was... That's, a, that's an incredibly difficult oh, question, yeah. right? Because oh, I've only really seen two bands. And now <laughs> you're basically asking me which was my favourite, the filaments or the restarts? <laughs> 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 that's really unfair because that's very good. 
Um, it, I, you know, it was nice to see. It, I think my highlight thus far is I have literally seen people, yourselves included, who I have not seen in like, um, you know, like 10 years. Um, and these are people who I've known and loved, and you know, just kind of fallen out of contact with. And, and yeah, like, uh, that's my highlight. That's such a, that's such a boring answer to that question. And Dave, you need to change the battery ring on my phone. Who are you looking forward to seeing? Before we get into Teenage Secrets, what's coming up for you today? So I would love to see Sam Winter, because I love that. But um, I am not going to see Sam Winter, because I clash with Sam Winter in the um, And the... Um, otherwise... I'm probably going to spend most of the day at the venue we're playing, and I don't really know. I mean, like, Tripsan, uh, Hassan's band, I'm really looking forward to seeing. I should be able to see them. Um, so, largely, I'm going to see what is on the Einstein band, I don't kind of know, really. Um, and then if I... You can view the festival. Right? Um, and if I am still about, I will try and see them again. But I might be gone by then. But the thing is, I don't live in the country anymore, so Joe can't find me. Yeah, there we go. Right, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of stuff to do. So let's get straight into it. You, I, want, I don't know if I should start with TV sequence or your life, because I want to know, you're in, you're in Helsinki now, right? Hi, Katie. Hi. Um, we've got more, seven. No, we've lost someone. We lost someone in game two, people. Like all, of the, like, all of the labels are just, like, filtering out. I can't see one by one. I see you guys. I'm, I'm kind of making out, like, hundreds at the moment. I can't quite work out. Um, you're in Helsinki. What's that all about? Uh, my wife works at the University of Helsinki, so we... Boring, we, right. So. Yeah, we there. Um, yeah, it's quite boring. Unfortunately, that was just life happening. But how do you like Helsinki? It's cool, from what I, what I understand. I, um, you know, I had some kind of teething problems when I moved there. It's, you know, it's difficult moving to another country. It's not something I have, like, had much experience of until really, like, last year. Um, and it is, um, it's cool, it's different, people are really polite. And everyone's like a rocker, like everyone's a rocker. So I'm not, and I mean like leather pants, poison t-shirt rockers. So like normal people are quite hard to find. And like then me and my like, like well, I kind of like dance music and like punk rock. Um, they're just like, yeah, we don't understand that. So, so here's a rap record. So what's the scene like then? That's the punk rock scene like. But there is one. I, I, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I've, I mean, I've not been there long enough, but I spot like the occasional weirdo looking punk rock person or like sort of like um, disco indie um, pretentious bastard like me. Um, and, you know, I kind of try and follow them, but then they think I'm stalking them and it gets kind of awkward. <laughs> the one time I've been to Helsinki was on my honeymoon and we went to see The Cure and uh, we actually met Robert Smith The Cure are but playing down the road from my house. Oh. Uh, I hate when I get back. Well, but sorry, I interrupted you. Well, no, 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 we met Robert Smith, which is, you know, not very exciting, so I feel good as well. But, but, seeing a goth band in Helsinki is like the perfect environment. Like, it's cold, it's dark, there are some legitimate goths there. It was, oh my god, yeah. It was great. It was exactly where you want to see it. Um, 
So today's exciting day, as you've already discovered, you are playing mm. as Teenage Sequence. I think, is this the first time you guys are doing this live? Yeah, yeah, this is the first time Teenage Sequence has ever played a show. So in a few hours it will exist. At the moment it's just kind of this like vague idea that might work. Or might be a car crash. A band doesn't exist until they play live. It's like, well, it's like a philosophical question. I mean, like, the, 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 my first thing with this was, like, there was a point where I was like, I probably just won't play any show. Because it's... It, it wasn't... That wasn't the side of music that really interested me. Like, I've done a bunch of that. And I was interested in making records rather than playing shows. Um, but then it became very apparent that if you want to be in a band, you kind of have to do at least a minimal amount of gigs. <laughs> so, you know, this is, you know, we keep referring to this as like show zero. Like, we, we don't really know what's going to happen. It's kind of this, it, it's being the weird band. I'm used to being the weird band, right? Like, I've never, I, 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 do you remember that band album, Man Made yeah, yeah. Like, that was the last time I was in a punk band. Right. If you think, like, musically speaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So. It's gonna be, um, it's gonna be funny. If any, I mean, it's kind of like if people turn up, they turn up. It's the, it's the Sunday on the stage that's kind of like way over there. I'm pointing as if we're not filming this. Like <laughs> the Sunday, like a mile away from where I currently am, which is completely ambiguous to anybody listening to this. Um, and you know, I, if people turn up, cool. If people don't, cool. We vaguely know what we're doing, and we're just going to kind of take it from there. Let, let's start at the beginning of Teenage Sequence Time. So, this is a bit of a departure from what you've done. It's a bit of a natural step because there was Bleach Blood. I that think, is correct. Yeah. Which was sort of a vague attempt at this, but I got yeah. scared and made a rock record. Right. Okay. Not a very good one. Maybe we can get into that in a bit. But give us an idea about what the thought process was when you were setting Teenage Sequence Time. What? What? Why this big? departure from what it is you're, you're most known for. Um, and what's the, what's the vibe between uh, this and playing dance music? Um, so the, um, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I was into all music. And it wasn't until like I got into like punk rock that I, um, just high-fiving people. Uh, <laughs> um, like, I, I, I found like a direction, like a thing that really spoke to me and I wanted to do, so that became all-consuming. And maybe I took the all-consuming a little bit too seriously because I started neglecting things that I genuinely liked in order to appear more punk rock to the bigger kids. Like, and as I kind of got older, I was like, and I thought, I thought I'd made up my mind that I didn't want to be bands anymore. Um, I, how to write this? I realized I wanted to make music, and I've been doing a lot of other stuff like pop writing for other artists, and that's kind of what I've been doing. And I realized like I want to do something, but I just don't want to be in a punk band. And that's not like I don't detest punk rock or anything like that. I, it's, it's not what I wanted to do. So I started listening to stuff like I was a kid again, and I found my interest in music is actually that really weird point post nineteen seventy seven where you kind of had all the punks started getting synthesizers in like London and Manchester and New York and in Detroit. And they accidentally, like, you know, like all the weirdos accidentally started to give birth to like techno and house music. And then you had the, like, the, like New York in 1979, musically speaking, you had kind of 
punk rock and like you had like weird guys with leather chains and synthesizers and suicide is what I'm referring to. And then you had the disco thing and that was a melting pot and I was really interested in that. I'm really interested in stuff like, you know, Africa Van Barter playing a um, like DJing a block party in the Bronx and playing like dropping craftwork in the set because then the people listening to that were like, what the hell is craftwork? What are these weird German robot looking mad humans? And they'd never heard, you know, this everything's so fresh. So I really got into that, and that kind of is the basis of teenage sequence is like this idea of I want to make music that I haven't really made before, but yet I am like tremendously interested in. Which in like kind of was what I got into punk rock for in the first place, right? There's not, there, there, in my head, there is not that much of a historical. Historically speaking, where punk rock is from, what it represents is no different to where house is from, where techno is from, where disco is from. These are musics of marginalized people, bored people, people whose voices have been trodden on. Um, and there's, a, there's more crossover than people care to. I, I feel people really care to address. So, so do I, well, one thing I had noticed that you're connected with punk rock and you'll move away from that and you alongside that you know I have historically known you as Jamie Dance, Ramo Joffy, King Blues and whatnot. Would you say that the the, the change in your name, the, the new identity kind of reflects your direction with your music and Yeah that was a that was a definitely uh sorry I interrupted you after your question. No no sorry, sorry, no, go. Um, that was a definitely a, a conscious decision like um Jamie Jazz as a name, like it, my mother called me Jamie, so it wasn't a particularly um, unheard of thing if you're from like uh, a, a South Asian family, Southeast Asian family, to have more westernized names. So I had kind of this pet name, which was Jamie. My dad's name is Devon Jean Seymour, that has always been my name. Um, and there was, I guess there was a bunch, for me, there was a bunch of identity tied up in this kind of Jamie Jazz person who was sort of a character and on a, on, on a public level and a personal level as well, which I didn't really associate with anymore. And it carried a lot of baggage. There was a lot of hurt there, which you know, I, I feel some may be aware of like, and I felt that I needed to kind of, if I was gonna do this again, I wanted it to be representative of who I am. And I spent a long time in um, kind of hiding in punk rock, um, hiding, embracing kind of my European, trying to run from my Asian, trying to run from my brown skin, trying to like, you know, not be who I am. And there was a lot of that tied up in my name. So having switched to like Devon as kind of like my name, which it literally is, like this isn't like a name I, I pulled out and decided that's who I am. It's my literal name. It, it, it was definitely coincided with being like, who's gonna make this record, right? Like, what is Teenage Sequence? And for me, Teenage Sequence does exist kind of by itself. It is its own entity, and when I'm not doing it, I'm going running around my job, I'm doing something else, but who is doing that? I didn't want it to be that the Jamie Jazz person, it had to be, well, me, you know? Like, yeah, for myself. Wow, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, it's great. I think it's great that you've being able to kind of come to terms, I guess, with your own identity a little bit. It sounds like it was a bit of a personal journey as well as a bit of literal music one, but 
those two things are kind of entwined. I mean, I think for all of us who've been involved in music on one other side of the fence, there is, and particularly in like DIY places and in like this explicit scene that we're in right here and right now, there is, it is deeply personal to us. It's deeply personal to everybody who's involved. Like, you know, if it wasn't, why the, can I swear? Please do. Why the fuck would we be doing it? I mean, it right? it's, 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 it's like, it's a ridiculous, like, <laughs> like, you try and, I'm sure, I mean, you know, I'm not looking out at like people who have been doing, like, I took a break, guys, so you guys have been doing this for a minute, right? Like, and it's like, you try and explain it to people. I try and explain punk rock, like being involved in punk rock to people who weren't, and they're just like, but you drove three hours to play to 40 people on a Thursday night. Yeah. And they went to work the next day, and it, well, cost, I didn't have a job back then, and it cost you money. Yeah. And, and, and you did it every week. It's a hard thing, it's a hard thing to explain. It is, yeah. and it, it completely like overconsumed us. And I think, I mean, as someone who uh, kind of became known as, um, like by my band name once. It, it kind Sorry of, about it, that. It, it, it did kind of become like a kind of character, doesn't it? Like, and you, you can't always be that punk rock guy. When you come off stage and you go home and you sort of, there's like a pressure to kind of perform all the time. It, I, it I, is a weird sort of experience. Yeah, it? I feel like we, at the, the, the age that we were when we got into this, because it wasn't like me, it's the same time. Um, there was an awful amount of damage to when the punk rock kind of starts to, um, does have that appeal, and I love that because it's a home and a space for people, but unfortunately that space was deeply broken, deeply toxic, it was, you know, it was a space where people couldn't necessarily heal and healing and being soft and kind and loving to one another was seen, and this is my interpretation by the way, like, was, like it, wasn't, it wasn't for that reason, like, we, we didn't get together to do that, we, we got together to, to let loose and to kind of be free. Yeah. There, there wasn't that con- there wasn't that for that conversation. Yeah, and it, it you know, it's like I do like the fact that the the DIY space that I see now is one that is much more caring and kind or attempting to be at least. Um you, and I feel that you know you hide, you can hide your characters, right? You know, John Dopey, like Jamie Jazz, uh, shout out Paul Black Jazz. I haven't played this boy in a billion years, but you become these characters, right? Like and it, it was something that I had to break away from. I actually probably, I had to go through like this massive breakup with like DIY and punk rock and remove myself from it entirely to be able to like kind of step back into it and be like involved, even like, like on the fringes as I am to be involved, I had to really like tear down my relationship with it. Um, and with music in general, like the further afield, I had to like tear down my relationship with like being a musician, being a songwriter, being involved in any way, shape, or form, before I could like go back to the original point, which was when I was a kid, music was everything, and it was really, really fucking fun for me. And when I learned my first chord on the guitar, and I could play it competently, I ran into my parents' bed, ran into my mom's bedroom. I was like, "Look what I can do!" And it had to go back. I had to get back to doing that where it's dumb and stupid and fun and silly. Except now you're 13 years old, your mum's like, fuck off out of my bedroom. I'm like, no. We're talking about this in a sort of similar way, but it's probably worth pointing out at this point, you, you did this at a very different level to what most people get to, which is we'll talk about. But I like, let's, let's at this point, just go back, way back to that yeah. point. And um, 
the very beginning of your you falling in love with music mm. and what, what was that moment what's that sort of first moment that you remember uh, falling in love with something or a song or an artist my friend it was in primary school i can't remember what year it was um my friend gave me a tape that he had made and it had great balls of fire great balls of fire on it and i just watched the, i've popped on one or two i can't remember but you've got the you know Simo piano and they play Gunter. and i put that tape on it was just there and i um I started running up and down the living room with a comb, and I remember I was playing the guitar, I was singing with the comb. How old were you then? I was 32. Yeah, that was yesterday, what are you on about? I was like seven, eight, I think. And then it was from that, and then it was punk rock. Like my brother had a bunch of records, and he and I had a big brother, classic, and he had like this dungeon of a bedroom that was smoke filled and had all of these records from all of these weird bands like uh, you guys probably haven't heard of them but like Madonna <laughs> and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and oh my god this one band the Metal Lickers oh like Enter Sandman was one of my favorite songs but it was these records it was the it was it, it was all of those records then it was Green Day and I, 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 I used to, when he went out with his friends, I'd sneak into his bedroom and I'd pick a CD and I'd put it on and I'd press play. Didn't know what it was. And it was just whatever. It could have been Oasis, it could have been Sleeper, it could have been Suede, it could have been all of these things. And that, but, but then when I heard punk records and I started understanding what punk records were, and I started understanding what genres were, that was the point. That was the point of like, that's what I want to do. That seems like obviously a lot of music that was going on within your household, but mm, did yeah. you have a lot of instruments going on? Or were your parents musical? Or? No, my, my brother did. My brother was musical for a bit. He actually gave me my first guitar when he sort of was like, I don't play music anymore. Um, but no, not really. Like there, there, in any form of like serious want to be a musician, I was the first in our household. You know, if it, it, I, it wasn't, it was the difficult choice to make, particularly being in an Asian household, um, mostly Asian household, um, there were certain more European aspects to our household, but there were certain things like, I want to be a musician, no. <laughs> like, like, hey, I want to be in a band, no you, no you don't, that's not what you want, it's not, not even the case of like, you're not going to do that, I'm not going to let you, it's like, that's not what you want, that is not your choice. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, sorry. I'm playing a show, uh, please don't come. So what aspirations did your parents have for you? I mean, on a musical level, like, you know, my, back then it was my my mum and my then sort of quite unquote stepfather. Um, they did, you know, they, they were music lovers, like my um, my first father figure, my, my mum's first partner, um, uh, was a Jamaican band. So we had, like, Stacks and stacks and stacks of R&B records, soul records, um, lots of reggae, lots of ska, lots of like just these just these records that that if you're kind of a rock kid and that I'm I'm, I'm very blessed by this actually like if I just grown up in a rock household and that was it you, it may take you some time to find those records but I actually had them first in fact I remember hearing. And this is like, this is ultra pretentious and I have the I mean, I am pretentious, but still, I'm wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> like, um, I remember hearing 
The Clash's car. I call it the car. The Clash's car with police and thieves. And I was like, oh, that's a junior murder song. Because I knew, I was, like, I was like 12. But I only knew because my, 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 my then stepfather had those records. Um, and then for my mum, my mum used to like, you know, my mum used to sing me like London songs to sleep and stuff like that. So music was always kind of a, a music was always a big form of entertainment in our house, but it was like, it wasn't a job. <laughs> you weren't gonna, you're not going to go and do that. Amazing. What, um, so at what point, where, whereabouts are you? Where are you growing up at this point? With Greenwich. Okay. So Northampton. So you, you know, you're kind of young, I'm guessing at this stage you're maybe kind of about to become a teenager, your brother's maybe mid-teens, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 about that. And little do you know that down the road, you've got a sort of thriving punk rock mecca ready for you to embrace and kind of yeah, get into. Yeah. So what point do you go from sneaking into your brother's room to actually going out in the real world by yourself? All right, so I didn't have to make it all the way to Camden, like, which was a scary journey by yourself. The 29 bus, I mean, I don't know what the 29 is like now, but the 29 bus back then, was a tough place to exist. Um, and like Green Lanes, you know, because you guys know Green Lanes, right? That bit of Green Lanes between Town Pay Lane and Green. Town Pay, God, my God, Town Pay Lane Manor House. And you know, it wasn't Manor House Warehouse District. Back then it was just like, you might get murdered. It was, you know, that bit, that little bit of like sort of North London was, wasn't nice. Um, but we had a Tower Records in Woodgreen High School. Woodgreen had a high school, right? And it was a proper Tower Records, and it had a punk section. And like, I, I remember buying like Maximum Rock and Roll for like 15 pounds, because it was import in Tower Records. Um, and I was like, I was way too young to understand what the hell Maximum Rock and Roll was. It just looked kind of cool, and I liked the aesthetic of punk rock. Um, but all I used to do is, I used to go to Tower Records with my pocket money, and I'd go to the punk section, and I would grab, I would grab a record. And I would listen to that record, and I, I ended up like getting. What do you give us some names? Oh, like, uh, so it started. There, there's, it, it, it started with. Um, it started with. Um, let's go and get track. What did it start with? It started with the Green Bay record. So let's, let's start again. I thought my brother found out I was sneaking into his room, and he was like, "Fuck you, Mr. Jordan about the records." And I was like, "I'm not. I'm, I'm a dumb kid. I don't have records." I don't even call them records, they're CDs, I don't know what a record is. Anyway, um, we, like, I go to Tower Records to buy, like, Dookie, because I can't go in my brother's bedroom and listen to it anymore. And I accidentally end up buying Sublime. And, I, and I'm too, I'm, I'm not even, I am a terrified, I'm a terrified child, like I'm a terrified adult. And, like, the big scary man had, like, red hair and a lip piercing when I went to Craig's house, and he was like, can you lips? So I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> So I end up listening. I end up listening to Dookie, uh, to to Kaplan, and like I'm like, holy shit, this is awful. Because <laughs> I never heard a DIY record before, right? Like I never heard a cheaply recorded record. I was like, this is. Is my speakers broken? This is crap. I'm like, I'm breaking my parents' speakers. Oh, I'm gonna get trouble. <laughs> anyway, I looked through. I, you know, I used to consume every every inch of a CD. Like, so I would read the, like everyone who is of that era of physical music, you know, I would read, I would have read the lyric sheet before I'd even got home. And I was obsessed with thank you lips. I was obsessed with them. They were like this really cool thing that I didn't fully understand 
represented an entire network. Like lottery. Right? Yeah. So I would basically, I, I worked out, like, after, after buying the Californian takeover, the second CD I ever bought was the Californian takeover, which was Earth Crisis, Strife, and Snap Kids, who I do love Snap Kids, but uh, it was a live record. I'm like, fucking 12, I should be buying that record. <laughs> <laughs> like metalcore or something, like early metalcore records. Like, so I'm like, I, um, I, I start buying records in the same sequence. And then, it, then it's a very sad story. Then it's like, I bought a Dead Kennedy record and I bought a Rancid record. And then I started finding out about UK bands. And I was like, oh, this, 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 there, there are bands from here that aren't just like from 1977 who are still doing this. And that's how I started getting into it. Um, found friends at school who were like a little bit more um, bold than I am, who were like going to shows and they were in bands and they started taking me to that. And then that's from there it's like the snowball, right? It's like it just picks up more and more and more. And before I know it, I'm like on stage at the Verb playing the show, and it's like, huh, yeah, this is what I want. This is cool. I want to do this. We, we skip way too far ahead. But Sorry, I, yeah, I, just went, I feel like at this point, seeing as we have an audience, and seeing as we've mentioned Tower Records, uh, it, I don't know why it came up. I was chatting to my wife the other day about Tower Records, and I remembered that I bought my first ever condom from Tower Records. And uh, it's, it, it remains unopened somewhere in the landfill. But um, we, my friend and I, Josh, went to buy. I have so many questions. We bought <laughs> I went to buy many festival tickets, which you still could do, in Tower Records. Yeah. And okay. we no, were like no. really young and embarrassed, and we kind of got to the till and there was like quite an attractive girl there. So and, you they also, and they also had Tower Record branded condoms. And in my sort of like attempt to just appeal, appear slightly, you know, worldly, uh, I just turned to my friend Josh and was like, oh, we're going to Reading, we probably probably need to get condoms. But, like, no one buys like a two pound one, like, Records, oh, like bright orange condom, and he's like, Yeah, 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 we probably do. And this girl's just like, You know, completely under the gun. Hey, I don't want to be like, you know, I, 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 I don't want to brag here, but I've got a 10 over there. Do you want to come back? I think it was, yeah. I think it was a hope. I think no one's pissed on it yet. <laughs> I remember it was a Reading Festival ticket, 99, hopelessly devoted to you, comp. Person, oh, yeah, 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 and then a bright orange, like a single condom, not even like a pack of them, just a single one, which I then just went home and hid straight away. Shit, what am I doing with the condom? Um, where were we? Yes, right, <laughs> <laughs> well, you went way too far ahead. Let's take a I went way back. too far ahead. I want to hear about that first that first show. So, like, you you, you know, oh my god, like the first show I ever played, went to. Oh, the first show I ever went to, what are you going to? So, I don't, really, the first I, don't, I, I don't really know anything about bands and stuff, and my friends who do, um, you know, because like, this, this is white people stuff, by the way. Like, for me back then, this is white people stuff. So I don't have any like family members who are going to take me to a show. Not a show that I want to go to, or a show that they would want to go to, because they don't go to show. They don't, they, they don't care about this stuff. So it is my white friends in school. And the first show we were meant to go to was Pitch Shifter, and the support was um, Group Dog Drill, and Sona Farik. And that was at the Astoria, I believe. And it sold out. So we saw that at the Underworld, at the place where I spent a lot of my life, um, the Group Dog Drill and Sona Farik were playing. So we just bought tickets for that. Um, 
and Sonic Break were actually, you know, mostly South Asian bands, which was kind of, I didn't realize until looking at that retrospectively, um, how much of a rare thing that was throughout, like, you know, the, the, the early 2000s, that was a really interesting thing. Um, and it was wild, and it was so much fun, and it was chaotic, and I loved, I remember every second of it, I loved every second of it, it was uh, this amazing, and I didn't know about it, I didn't know the songs, but I was just in it, and dancing, and you know, you could, that whole being indoctrinated by like, like kind of sweat, it was so cool. And that was that, and then the, the second show I went to was Evil Fest, and that was headlined by Raging Speedhorn and Knuckle Dust. Oh, I'm not, Knuckle Dust changed my life. I have to say, as a hardcore kid at heart, like, you know, like, Knuckle Dust changed, like, that band changed my life. Like, the UK hardcore changed my life. Um, Being from East London and, you know, I, I used to practice my local church at the time. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. Amazing, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it was, it was really like, um, it, it, you know that, that that was quite funny to me because I was like, I was like, oh my god, hardcore bands. And I, I made friends with hardcore kids at this point, and I was like, okay, um, oh, what should I wear? This 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 <laughs> is my big this is my big fucking concern. Like, what should I wear? I'll wear a Slipknot hoodie. Yes. What I love about us though is that they were ethnically diverse as well. You know, it wasn't yeah, like you yeah. know, as a young black kid, you touched on like you know being an, an Asian lad. Um, the impacts, you know, on the scene and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So what, what was your experience like as a, as a young Asian lad sort of growing up in London punk rock scene? I was defended by a lot of people. Because I, I kind of got in very early, I got in with like a crew of human beings who I can assure you that every single one of you have some very obvious or, I don't know, probably just straight up, I mean, yeah, there's a nod, straight up obvious connections to a bunch of these people. Um, but I, um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. I got defended really quickly, um, which, again, in hindsight, is a defended from what? Um, nasty racist bunch. Okay. Like, and it wasn't until kind of afterwards I realised how defended I was. Um, you know, I had people, certain people who, you know, uh, certainly weren't without faults of their own, but they put their arms around me and they looked after me, um, and that was a that was a really big deal because you know the problem is that that has to exist, right? Like you know, it's it's great that I had that, but the problem was it was a tremendously difficult and dysfunctional place. Um, and you know, I had some, you know, I had some pretty shitty experiences at shows, and it wasn't the experiences like being spat on, like um, you know being thrown at you, all of that stuff, you know, I, I know that a lot of people have experienced that, a few people have probably experienced that, um, and I had a lot of shitty experiences with, at my friends, shows that are, shows, well, you guys, but in our direct world, it was John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it, and it, that's a really hard thing to comprehend. But the hardest thing about it was when you know you told people, when I told people, yeah. and it was either well, you're paranoid. Oh, but they're not really like that. Oh, but you can't take a joke. 
And these all were acceptable answers then. And I'm, I, I'm incredibly glad that I live in a world now, well, at least we're attempting to live in a world now where these are no longer fucking acceptable answers for this behaviour, yeah. right? But unfortunately, I have to go through the shit either that like many, of our, many other of us did. And, then, and how long did you storm box? This is when you were attending shows. Did you ever learn to oh, like, go uh, on uh, when you were playing live? You know, you've yeah. been in bands that were very successful. Um, what was it like, you know, as a, as a musical artist? Um, it was like it was um, it was continuous. Like it doesn't make a difference. Like to certain, I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, I'll put a little trigger warning on this, but I'm gonna be uh, quite crass with my language here because um, it is an experience that I feel. You know, and I actually know I've changed my mind. I'm not gonna lie to myself like that. I'm not gonna do that. But what I am gonna say is. To certain people, you will be a certain type of person, no matter what you're on stage, no matter if you're um, in the audience, if you're working the show. So I was very lucky. This is actually, I think I'm telling, I'm going to borrow somebody else's stories here because it is much bigger. I'm very lucky to like play some shows with the specials and get to know them a little bit. And that is like a very big thing, you know, because I unbelievably seem to have to fit. I remember in conversation with them, they spoke about those sort of early 70s, like late 70s days, where they were like, playing shows. And the obvious Nazis would show up and dance to their music, and then wait outside to beat them up. Now, you know, that is crass and obvious back then, right? But it's kind of, that, that mentality never went away. And maybe nobody was beating us up, but and some people did try, some people did genuinely try. Um, but there was like people who couldn't help but comment, oh but you shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be a part of this. So it, it, it's kind of weird because I've always, you know, I, I've always felt, and again, I, I do know certain other, uh, other folks of colour who don't have that experience, you know, and I, I'm, it, but that was mine. And, um, it's like, it's weird to be the weird person in a group of weird people, right? It's, it, that, is a, that is a weird, probably why I think it's a good idea that Keanu Stevens' first show should be at a DIY punk rock festival. Like, do you guys like dance music? You don't? <laughs> ah, shit. Um, you know, that is kind of what it is, that's basically what we're rolling with, right? Um, it, you know, it, it, it does install a sort of level of fearlessness, so it, it, it did to me, but I hate the fact, and I do truly hate this, I hate the fact that that's how it has to be. I hate the fact of this kind of weird, I can't want to talk, I don't want to be. I like being, I, all I want from life is to make records, play shows and be surrounded by people that I love and who love me. And I radically believe in the freedom and kind treatment of all people. Like, I, that's a radical belief of mine. Um, it's mad to me that I even have to say that. These, these, these are the bits. But the fact that, you know, I kind of had to develop this tough exterior for shit um, is, it sucks. It really sucks. I was going to be quite tough, guys. I didn't realize. No, sadly, I remember a few a few shows. I mean, uh, we were kind of, I guess that late 90s, early 2000s era was a weird one because it's still kind of loosely overlapped with a lot of old school punks still hanging around the scene. It, it was deeply. And they would occasionally crawl out. And I yeah. remember a few shows that kind of where those line, where those worlds kind of collided and there was an overlap where, because we, we did have 
quite a diverse scene, I think about it. Not hugely, not enough, but certainly more, some. More so than, more so than, like, Eras past, it was a, it was like like everything. You know, there was a real transitional period. We're at a transitional period now. You know, we can look back on this and rose tinted glasses, but one thing that we have to take into consideration was like every person in every band, apart from maybe new bands, I think, like ninety nine percent of us were there, right? And you, it was, and like that was just how it was. When you come into that. You know, there are certain levels that, that you need to be educated. So it's. I always remember like being in a band with, with a girl. I always remember we'd be played out, people would be like, oh, it's so cool, we've got a girl in the band. I was like, oh, yeah, I haven't really thought about that before. And I remember being at shows where, I mean, there was one, there was seven seconds at the Underworld. I don't know if you were there, but there was, uh, do you remember um, Andy, Chinese guy with spider tattoos now? Yes, I remember Andy very well. Got horrifically racially abused. And it turned violent outside afterwards. And I remember just thinking, I still I saw, I didn't see the violence, but I saw him, like, some of the like, basically making I, they, I, I do vaguely remember this. Like, yeah. thinking, like, but that's Andy, like, and it was just such a weird thing. I mean, I'm completely ignorant. I'm not saying this is like, I'm so wonderfully, I don't see colour, but it just was so alien to me. Yeah, please don't talk about some colour. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, it was completely, like, that's, that's the opposite of what I was saying. But it just hadn't been, like, a, a thing for me at all. <laughs> I mean, I said, but it's the greatest blur. <laughs> <laughs> but like the amount of, oh wow, it's so cool you've got a girl in your band. Or like Dave, when we've toured together, like, oh wow, it's like there's a black guy singing. Yeah, it's like, what? It's just fucking Dave. Who's singing? There was that time you were racially abusing Ireland, which was. Uh, well, she was about five years old. A five year old girl racially abusing oh. Ireland. So. He thought I was chocolate. That's oh. kind of cute, though. My mum got embarrassed. <laughs> Well, I told her to eat me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you have to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like we've gone off too. I will, like, in, in, in that one band that I was in, um, like, we were playing an arena tour with Bank of Spoilers, who are a huge German punk band. I mean, like, they're the, they're the Green Bay of, the, yeah, they're the, like, Green Bay of Germany, right? They are the second, third biggest rock band after like Ramstein and Theater Boys and Slayers, I think. However, Scorpions. Oh, right, maybe four. No, Scorpions are falling off, dude. Where, where are we, Hellsinger? Um, like, and I remember when we were playing, and we walk out on stage, and these are like big, like, you know, there were like between eight to 10,000 people in line. And I'd walk out, and this, in that era of the band, we, was, we, we had two women, and so you, you kind of had like, the diverse edge of the stage, and I was over there, and like we had this thing where every night, like continuously, this band, I have to say, this band are completely anti-fascist, but unfortunately, because of their kind of oi roots, they picked up a, a, a fascist following. So we would have these people come up every single night to our side of the stage, and they just started repaying us. And it is a wild experience to have like. You know, anywhere between 50 to 100 people see games. It's just literally like, ah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to just still do this, but this is weird. And it was, oddly enough, it was weirdly self correcting. You would see a surge from the audience of people just like, and they get chucked out. Like, you know, we're in Germany, you don't see that fucking shit. Or at least back then, you didn't see that shit. Um, and one night, you know, it was terrifying. 
one night we played, in one town, it might have been like this, I can't remember, actually, in fact, anyone who saw journalism may know one of these venues, so please come into town. But there was this part of the town, we played two shows there in two nights. The first night we played in this like punk rock mecca. It was this like block that was just purely punk rock. It had like, you go, like the bank had anarchy symbols spray painted on it. It was, there was flyers for shows and every single thing. It was one venue we played there. And it was, it was a really interesting and weird place because I never thought that something like that would exist. We go and play the show and I'm on stage at this kind of big, it's not the skate park place, it's another one like it. It'll come back to me. It won't come back to me, but nobody will ask me. Um, and all of these kids flooded to my side of the stage and they were just like staring at me. And, but they were dancing, they were very nice. And uh, I thought it was a bit odd, but I didn't think anything of it. So anyway, I um, came off stage and I was talking to one of the techs, you know, she's from their family, like, I was like, why did those kids all like, fly over to, to my side, like, and, I, and he just like, literally turned around to me and he was like, I'll just call you a bound, they haven't been a bound person on stage before, and they were interested. And I was like, am I, am I offended? Because I don't, because they were very, the thing is, like, they were very sweet, right, they didn't mean anything by it other than just being extremely interested, and I'm like, am I, am I, I'm not offended by that, and it's kind of okay, and because of being very nice. Yeah, like, yeah, borderline. It's a borderline, like, I don't know, it's weird, but it, it could be worse. Well, someone's got to be that first person to it at some stage. Yeah, like, so sort of yeah. happened a lot with kids. I was going to ask you, like, did, um... Why did you have to know? Why What happened? Nothing, I was like, look, I was trying to be the kid pointing at a brown person. <laughs> Sorry, and, like, all of you turned around and like, Oh my god, is there a seven foot Asian man that just walked in? I thought someone had their hand up or something, like it was, you know, we'll, we'll get to the Quebec. Um, no, but I was gonna, I mean, like, I, like the fact, I like the fact, I mean, you've got to go in a bit. Well, I do like the fact that we're not, we're not talking about the band Dusty Rose because we don't need to, but was. We can. No, 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 well, we haven't got much time actually. Um, we can't. And it's also been, it's been documented. But I'm interested because I think this is a really interesting discussion. Like, did you sort of. Was, was all these experiences when you were in any band, irrespective of the size of venues you were playing, or mm -hmm. particularly the larger ones, mm -hmm. did you sort of feel that experience, that the experiences you had, and the um, that sort of vague, you know, sort of feeling you got of being different? Did you feel that was going to slightly disappear by being in a band, and were you surprised it continued? Uh. Or what, what, what was different between being? Or was it were you shocked there was little difference in being in the audience and being on stage? Um. I wasn't shocked to begin with because that's just kind of punk rock one and one, right? Like the stage and audience were all one thing. When we start, when we being that band, the King Blues, we can say the name, you know, it's okay, <laughs> it's alright. I'm pretty sure I saw everyone who might want to kick my head in on Friday, and he gave me a hug instead. You're drunk. I love that man. Anyway, um, everyone trying. It's a really. It's, it's, I see one person trying to work that out. It's really like I haven't talked to you about. It. Um, anyway, um, when we started getting bigger, um, I thought that it would get kind of easier. That because there, there was a division. There, there was a division between like band on stage, crowd out there, um, and I thought it would. It, it honestly, it, it, it kind of 
it did and it didn't. And I, I had actually, like, you know, I'll, I'll be honest here, I had actually developed, like, as kind of a defense mechanism and extremely unhealthy response to the weird things that were happening in my life, like, you know, rock star nonsense that was going on in my life. And when I was young, like, I had developed an ego, a massive ego as a defense mechanism for a lot of this shit. It's not an excuse, by the way. I, I mean, you know, I had, I had to go through a real being an arsehole phase of my life in order to come out the other way. We all know that phase. Basically, um, I mean, you know, I came out last week. It's, 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 I'm good now. Um, anyway, you know, I basically one part of that was like, you can't say that shit about me now because look, I'm on the front cover. You can't say that shit about me now because look, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And that is just a very, very, very dangerous feedback loop that I ended up in. And it really, you know, it took me like I, I didn't know how to be I didn't know how to function as a fucking human being because I you know, the band I was in started getting popular on like what, 23, 24. <laughs> My life experience of being on tour. And then, and slumming it for a few years, and then suddenly having people be like, I'll do that for you. Can you sign this for me? Oh my God, I love your bag. Can you do this? And it's a real slippery slope, and there's no like, you know. I don't want to talk you through that, is there? There's no lesson or like guidance. I mean, when you're a baby, there's like antenatal classes, but when you start being in a band, no one's like, okay, here's what yeah, I can like, do. Like, but I mean, these like, classes of being, a, <laughs> being, being a, a, a vaguely popular band in the right space at the right time, if you know about that one band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I needed that. I mean, you, 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 when, I think we'll sort of, well, actually, I genuinely would like to know if anyone else got any questions, but just really quickly, this might be a tough one and not maybe a nice one to think about. Mm-hmm. But, you, I mean, the, the, the King Blues story is just very well documented, and, and people can go and have a look at that. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we need to get into it now, but it's it. But, um, and you touched on the fact that, uh, you know, you, you had an interesting kind of relationship with yourself at this point, and you mentioned the fact that there were certain people that might have wanted to kind of kick your ass. Like, just looking back, I don't think necessarily you should have any regrets, but is there anything you might now tell yourself to do slightly differently? Yeah, like loads. I mean, I'm not one of these people who... Um tremendously believes in like the I wouldn't change a thing because I, like, I, I, I would I genuinely would and come what may because of that um, and I don't really want to go into specifics but there are specific moments in my life where I wish I had stood up for myself a little bit more stood up for my colleagues my band members a little bit more and there was a point there was a, there was a very explicit there were two very explicit points in my life where I should have you know this is I'm, I'm not going to name the times and places and events because that's not what this is, but um, where I should have walked away, where I, where I really should have just been like, walked away. But the, you know, the, the problem with it is, is it's all you know, and you're in. It's a gang, right? And it's gang mentality. And that, that isn't a, the fault of anyone other than the situation that we were in. Like, you know, if you're in a punk rock band, and I'm not, no, I'm not going to shout anyone who used to go on the punk-tastic Forums, but I'm taking your names, I'm taking your numbers, and I'm coming for you. I've waited 15 <laughs> years to do this. But when you are just a neurotic 
dumb brown kid who suddenly someone comes along. You're like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm a professional musician now, and people are paying me, like, and holy shit, like, dumb rock star things are happening now. You don't sort of say that, right? <laughs> like, you don't. I, I, I wish I was more sensible with a bunch of it. I wish I was more, like, I could have, I, 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 I wish I could, it could have all happened a little bit later on, but I also wish that I had the power to walk away from it because I didn't know I could say no. I didn't know that I, there, there was a life outside of this. I didn't know that I could go, like, go away and believe in myself. And that's largely what I did. So when I asked the Bleach Bloods, like, I did the Bleach Bloods thing, hi guys. Um, we played our first show in your warehouse, um, which is cool, which is really fucking cool. Um, I was really drunk and I stumbled down Hamilton Road and uh, like, Paul Marlin actually followed me halfway down the road before I died because I was so drunk. Anyway, um, like, I, I, I stopped because I realised that was an option I could do. I could stop and I could go and do something else and I could actually reckon with my own fucking ego and I could reckon with myself and do some like desperately required healing because it was you know the bunch of cool stuff but there was more trauma in my case and it mentioned more and wish wish on everybody else and that goes kind of full circle right when i said that i had to completely break down my relationship with diy with punk rock with being a musician being a songwriter being somebody who does it full time for a living with music itself like i had to break all of that in order to see if I could fix it again and find a like new connection which was largely turned out to just be this is meant to be fun and I'm not saying it's not hard work, we all know it's hard work, everyone in this room knows it's hard work. But this at its heart is meant to be fun. It's meant to be for everyone, so let's try our best to make it for everyone and let's enjoy doing this at whatever level it is whatever level like you know i it, 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 it doesn't matter if you enjoy doing this and if it truly becomes that point where we're just like i don't want to do this anymore like and that is your continuous answer which it was for me for years my answer was i don't want to do this anymore but here i am and here i am and i'm still doing it and it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse and you know, the point where I'm just like, you know, I legitimately don't want to be here anymore. I like that bit, that bit I was desperately thinking. Yeah, I, I, I can remember a few moments where that feeling of relief when you can just realise that you've got the, the kind of power, but it's not in a very good place. Well, we will look forward to seeing this new found fun love you have with Dennis Music in about an hour or so. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I have like, one thing I will say about the Teenage Deacon set coming up, like, one of my songs, we, we kind of, we worked this out in practice. First of all, we practiced twice, <laughs> and that was this weekend. Like, um, it's the first time all three of us been in the same room ever. Um, not too dissimilar to the first Fish Bus show, actually. Um, and because we used to rehearse in your warehouse, too. Um, and I worked out that uh, one of my songs, has more words in it than most people's sets, and I don't know them. So I don't think they're on stage. And, we should, you know, like basically, either it's going to be a fantastic success, and everyone's going to be like, 
Oh yeah, just watch that weird disco band. Yeah, they're really cool. Or more likely is, did you see that kind of overweight dude in the pretentious turtleneck <laughs> stumbling around his own words? Yeah, I'm never seeing that again. So what's going on? We should probably do the kind of professional podcast thing, which we are definitely not. Uh, you, yeah, there is an album, right, coming out. Is that is that right? No. Really awkward. Very professional. Are there some songs? There are some songs. There is a new single coming out. There's a new single. There is a new single called Disconnect coming out. Or D I S Connect. Because I'm stupid and I know songs like that, which is fucking right now. We have to try them out. If they ever think something's there, I'd genuinely apologise to him for having to do that every time he mentions a song. Anyway, where is he? Who knows? I don't care. Are you fucking Izumaki now, probably? Yeah. Um, you all missed Izumaki for this year. Good <laughs> God. Anyway, um, it, New Zealand will could disconnect. It's kind of kicking about on certain radio stations, which is very nice. Um, comes out on the, I want to say, 8th of November. We're playing another show. Again, if I don't crash the car so badly, we're going to be playing another show on the 23rd at the Shacklewell? Seabright? Shacklewell. At the Shacklewell. But the, be- the, be- the best thing that anyone can do listening to this is please, you know, like, I'm, I hate trying to, like, shell merch on people because it's, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. But if you can, go check that bit out. But really, like, just follow on Spotify and socials. Like, it is, you know, it's the devil I know. Where can they find you? Um, it's like Pino Sequence, the name of the band. Brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. <yeah. laughs> On the internet. Yeah. Okay, yeah, there's a thing called the internet. There's a thing called Google, right? Um, it's a highly Google, Googleable banner. It's at Pino Sequence on pretty much everything. Sweet. Hey, last question I want to ask you, unless you've got any more, John. Got loads more, but. Okay, well. Dylan, what is your all-time favourite band? You've mentioned obviously specials, you've had the privilege of playing mm. it, you've got all these new it, it, it changes. It changes a lot, right? I mean, like, I, obviously, I, I, I have an affection for LCD sound system because I stole all the James Murphy's chops. That's not true. That's not true. I didn't steal James Murphy's chops. I stole from the same place that James Murphy stole from. <laughs> so I stole from ESG. That's where I stole my chops from, and I stole from New Order. Like it, and basically all of this, all of this music, like all of this like kind of indie trika, disco punky synthesizers, all of them here, I'm singing like a journal. Uh-huh. All of this comes from Donna Summer. Like it all comes from Michael Love. And I, 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 that was the first song, everyone might know this, but that was the first song that Giorgio Moroda produced that was purely electronic. The beat, the bass, the, the iconic bass line, all the elements of it is purely electronic. And every one of us who's had any interest in making kind of dance music or crossover like sort of disco party kind of dance, anything like that, all of us stole that from Donna Summer. Oh, and uh, maybe Craftwork as well, I should probably mention, because they kind of force over it. Um, No, sorry, (laughs) that was a tangent. I haven't been on many. Um, Love it. I don't know. I have collections of bands that I I, I, I deeply love, but I, I I'm kind of can't do that. I, my favourite band is this now. I just simply kind of enjoy music and musics, and there's been like 
so much stuff this weekend, which unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see, but there's been so many of these great bands. I think I'm going to give one more shout out, and if you listen to this, you can you know, buy me a beer. But the one person I would have really have loved to have seen um, this weekend is truly um, is Sam Russo, because I think that I love him. I haven't seen him in many years, but I love you know I love his music a lot, um, and it would be classic, you know. And it's like, but it is what it is. Like um, that doesn't answer your question. I've spent no, like, right. like, like forty, like like two minutes, like just oh, dodging an answer. Well, it always helps. Great. Uh, my favorite band is LCD Sound System. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, Thanks so much, Sharon. Thank you for having me. My name is Devon B. If this is my first time to do this, that's why you can hear laughing in the background. I'm from TA Secrets, and you're listening to the Punk Rock Academy podcast with David and the other one. Yeah, solid job. Solid job. I think we're in the